This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and thank you as always for tuning in and likewise thank you for any comments you may make through any of the any of the social media channels be it Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. They do all mean a lot and in this period of flux that we find ourselves in we've still no England games to talk about at the moment. Although I say that because shortly before recording this the England team have announced a home friendly against Wales for Thursday the 8th of October. This shortly before the scheduled Nations League home games against Belgium and Denmark on the 11th and 14th respectively. Now the last time we faced Wales was that great day in Lawns during Euro 2016, which incidentally uh, we mentioned on the previous episode in the last of our lookbacks on England at the European Championships, which is still available in all the usual places. Now, this will be the 103rd meeting between the two sides, and the last time we faced them at Wembley was 2011. Remember who scored the winning goal that day, or the only goal? Ashley Young. Now, of course, nearer the time, we'll do one of our preview episodes. Been a while since I've done one of those. But, of course, what we all want to know is can we attend? That we don't know at the moment. But the FA at the moment in an email are saying, and I quote, in keeping with current government guidelines, the game is scheduled to be played behind closed doors. But they then follow it up with, we will continue to adhere to government guidelines and liaise with relevant authorities and supporters will be notified should arrangements change and tickets become available. So basically, it's a wait and see scenario. But I feel like a donkey with a carrot dangling in front of me. And I'm also thinking, three games in the space of six days? I can't imagine it's gone down too well with some Premier League clubs. Although perhaps, on the plus side, it'll give Gareth the option of some player rotation. We'll see. Now, in the meantime, I've been periodically speaking with England fans about their first England away game. And in the past, I've spoken about my first trip back in 2001 to Greece. We've been to Germany and Ukraine with supporters. And often tournaments have been that first step for many on an away adventure. Perhaps the idea of a World Cup or Euros feels a little safer than a friendly or a qualifier. Coming up in a moment, we'll speak with England fan Matthew Halliday about his first game. And we'll also pay tribute to Jack Charlton who recently passed away. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast. We're back doing another one in our series of Your First England Away Game. We're going to Sweden for this one. And over there, I'd like to welcome Matthew Halliday. Matthew, hello. Hello, Russell. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? Oh, good. Thank you very much. You've uh, been in touch. You've told me that there's a, a game, your first England away game. 
And I thought, oh, yes, I wasn't at this particular one. I want to know more about it. In fact, it was a, a tournament that I didn't go to. Go on, enlighten us. Which, which was the game, your first England away game? So I had the pleasure of going to the dead rubber of Costa Rica nil, England nil in the last uh, group stage game of the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. <laughs> what, a, what a first game. I know. There was no no goals. When I look back at it, I do recall that it was the last uh, England appearances that uh, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard made. And um, I'll never forget the uh, reception that they got from the England fans behind the goal at the end of the game. It went on for, for, for eight, ever and ever. Really? It was. Uh, it obviously really showed how much respect the you know the the players and the the fans uh, had for each other it was it was incredible given that obviously the world cup campaign was was very poor from our standards and uh, obviously it was another bad you know nil nil result but i just remember the the fans just rea- reaction to both gerard and lampard at the end well obviously we'd we'd lost to Italy and Uruguay previously yeah. the supporters over there that had done a lot of miles just getting to Brazil in the first place but going to Manaus then Sao Paulo and then on to Belo Horizonte which was where that game against Costa Rica was and I had a quick look back um over the highlights of it uh, and there were there were a few uh, on on this particular game but um, I, I did also hear that the supporters were singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life as well. That's right. Kind of sums up England uh, supporters. Always got a, uh, got a smile there eventually, haven't we, considering those, those two results previous to it? Yes, exactly. This particular game, yes, it, it ended nil-nil. And I also read that as of this game, England had drawn more games at World Cups nil-nil uh, than anyone else was 11 times yeah I, I actually saw that when when preparing for this cause as well we probably read the same same article yeah I think it's a brilliant statistic it wasn't really something that I you know knew beforehand at all I can think of the Nigeria game in 2002 that was oh yes nil, nil. <laughs> oh yeah I remember uh, that one the, the Algeria game in 2010 that was nil nil <laughs> You're bringing them all back to me. I was there for both of those. Oh, no. Sorry to hear. <laughs> Gone. So how, how did it all come about? How did you you get your tickets? Um, and, and what was the feeling like when when you were boarding the plane? And all, take us back to the to how it all, all came about. So I applied for tickets via the, the general uh, FIFA ballots, which yeah. took place in, the year before t- at the end of... Um, uh, 2013 and uh, I was able to get the a, a ticket for the England Costa Rica match uh, then um, I know that FIFA also have later um, ticket sales um, you know once they realize how many tickets they can sell to the to the public uh, so I also picked up some more tickets in the months before and I ended up going to five games in total but just oh. just this one England, England game so were you, uh, I mean, just specifically on the England game to start with, when you got that, what was your feelings? We think, oh, Costa Rica game, we'll win that, won't we? Yeah, or almost that it could be a game where maybe we need a point to 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 be in the top two of the group. 
Mm. And um, as it happens, I actually flew out to Brazil the the day after we got knocked out because we lost to Uruguay on the Thursday evening. And then on the Friday evening, um, Italy played Costa Rica. And I think I think Costa Rica beat Italy, which then meant that we had no chance of of getting out of the group. So it was quite strange to be flying out to Brazil when England were already going home. You weren't the only one, though. There's a lot of other people had done the same thing, I think. Yeah, well, but judging by the amount of England fans that were, you know, staying in my accommodation in uh, Belo Horizonte, yeah, you're right, I wasn't the only one. There did seem to still be quite a lot of um, positivity. As, as you say, everyone was looking on the bright side of life. And I do, I do remember being just amazed by how many fans were still were still there and obviously cheering on the nation. So what, what other games did you go and see? Yeah, the obviously the England-Costa Rica game was the first one and then I travelled um, to uh, Recife and there I saw um, the world champions Germany uh, against USA. Uh, that was a group stage game which the Germans won unsurprisingly. Mm. And then a few days after that, I actually saw, I actually had the pleasure of seeing Costa Rica play again. Um, that And that was the last 16 game. So obviously at the time uh, of getting tickets, I was hoping that I would see England as group winners play in that tie, but it was actually Costa right. Rica that won the group. Costa Rica won on penalties against Greece. I think it was another, I think it was, it, yeah, obviously it was a draw. I think it was 1-1. Uh, then I travelled further north and I went to Salvador where I saw Belgium against USA in a last 16 game. That was when uh, Tim Howard made um, a, a very, very high number of saves and he got a call from uh, Barack Obama uh, in the, I think the day afterwards to oh, congratulate yes. him on his performance. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, so that was the best game that I saw. And then the fifth game was... Um, was the quarterfinal between Belgium and Argentina, and that was in the capital, Brasilia. And uh, Argentina won that 1-0 to then advance to the semifinals. So you got in a, a, a good amount of games um, in yes. the time that you were there. I did. For, for the reasons that I'd, I'd moved house and I had um, my daughter on the way. Um, I didn't get to go to this one. So what, what was Brazil like as a, uh, as a country and, and a country that's hosting the World Cup? I found it very welcoming. The people there obviously love their football, but also they were very uh, recipient of all the the international fans that had come to visit their beautiful country. And uh, I remember going to the when I was in Rio, you know, to, for traveling purposes. I remember going to the the fan park uh, numerous times on the Copacabana beach, and uh, the setting for that was uh, was just perfect. It was. Um, it, you know, it was it was a brilliant place to to watch uh, some of the games on the big screen there, and I was actually there for the the notorious uh, Germany seven Brazil one uh, semi final game in the fan park that is, and I just yeah. remember when it was the full time whistle, the heavens just completely opened. It was as if uh, God was like crying. I'll never forget that some Brazilians just start, started dancing, which just shows how much how much joy they have for, for, for life, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember um, I was working that evening and I came out um, of work. 
I think, and it must have been about half time. And I turned the radio on, knowing that it was it was Germany Brazil on at the time. And and was it about five five one at half time? I think or something like that. And it was I just yeah. couldn't believe it. It was absolutely unbelievable that that result seven one in the end. Um, yeah. and, and what a place to have seen it though um, on Copacabana Beach. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, obviously, most people there were obviously Brazilian fans, and it, you know, there were barely any German fans there. If they were, they were obviously heavily outnumbered. And it was, you know, six years on. I it sat there with one of the most memorable moments of my life. It, it was, it was very heartbreaking, and you felt incredibly sorry for for the nation because this is a country that I've been traveling in for over two weeks by that stage, and obviously, you you know, you're there in the build up to the semi-final um you know they beat Colombia in the quarterfinals they beat Chile on penalties in the last 16 so you're, you're kind of living the moments with with the Brazilians especially that England had had gone out yeah so it was it was it was unbelievable what what happened in that semi-final yeah so it's one that I thought I do remember after seeing the highlights of it it's just a just amazing game I mean going back to the the Costa Rica game I'm afraid we have to really um sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was a game I actually, I remember where I watched that. I was actually watching that at, at Luton Airport Arrivals Lounge, waiting to pick up my granddad for that one. And it was one of those ones where I was like, waiting for him to to come through, watching the board um, and then glancing over to the game. But knowing at the same time, oh, we're out, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, hearing what you, you said about the, the England supporters out there, is always good to hear. What What do you remember about the the stadium? Is it Stadio Mineral? I think it was. Yeah, that's right. So this was the stadium that they redeveloped for this World Cup. So the the structure outside has a lot of you know dark greyish uh, con- concrete, mm. but the the, the the way it's structured is is quite impressive. And inside they they did a really good job of making it look nice and modern. Um, it is slightly oval shaped. So there is a bit of distance between the the pitch and uh, the, the stands, which obviously is a bit of a drawback. I would say that as, as, as a fan of English football with all our, our rectangular stadiums. Yeah. It was, a, it was a still a nice stadium. And, and obviously it became very iconic with what happened, you know, with, with the, uh, with the Brazil semi-final a few weeks later. Yeah, Daniel Sturridge had a, a fair few opportunities in that game. He should have put one or two of them away, really. I think. Yeah, he. I remember um, there were like if, if a couple of chances, uh, and that you know England did play r- rather well, but you know unfortunately at the end of the day it was a, a dead rubber, and and Costa Rica just needed a point to to top the group, so they were quite happy to you know to, to sit back and just see if they could uh chance their arm basically yeah I mean, do, you, do you remember much of the team that day do you remember, i like... remember that they they made quite a few few changes i i certainly remember uh jack wilshire starting uh who at the time was you know considered to be the the next the next big thing going forwards after the tournament so i remember i remember being happy that he was you know starting the game yeah, so I mean, there's Ben Foster in goal, Phil Jones, Luke Shaw was there, Ross Barkley, Gary Cahill, Chris Smalling, Jack Wilshire, as you say, uh, Frank Lampard. It was, in fact, Frank's, I think, as you mentioned, it was his last game. He was captain for the day. Daniel Sturridge, Adam Lalana, uh, James Milner, that was the starting 11. Then Raheem Sterling came on, uh, and Stephen Gerrard, 
Stephen Gerrard actually came on for Jack Wilshere, and, and it was Stephen Gerrard's last cap as well. And and Wayne Rooney came on as well. So there was a, a few players that are still in the in the fray at the moment. Obviously, Raheem Sterling, Luke Shaw is can be on the fringes on on the odd occasion, but a lot of those players now have they're still playing, or or a few are in in management as as Frank Lampard and Steve Gerrard, uh, Wayne Rooney as well at the moment, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also Ross Ross Barkley who. Who has it? He he has it always seemed to step up when he's been in the England team. You know, he was playing as recently as last autumn. Um, True, yeah. You know, he scored again in the Bulgaria game away, and uh, he was he was playing well for Chelsea um, up until this this crisis started. Um, I, I, he just needs to get a run of games. But as you say, that the the lineup in that game was definitely looking forward to the future, and there are quite a few players from it that are still involved in the squad today, six years on. And so you've you've been to, to watch England at tournaments since as well? Yes, I've been to one game each of the two tournaments that happened after that. So I went to the the Russia game in Marseille at uh, Euro 2016. Yeah. Thankfully, I was in one of the side stands, uh, which meant that I didn't get ambushed by uh, Russian hooligans at the end of the game. And that that was a, a crushing disappointment because yet again I saw a game that England didn't win, and we conceded um, with almost the last kick of the game from a Russian set piece. Yeah, England totally deserved to win that game, but obviously you know they didn't take their chances to get the second goal, and uh, yeah, that's that's what cost them ultimately. Yeah, and and you went to the the World Cup in 2018 as well. Yeah, so I went to uh, Kaliningrad, which is the the Russian enclave, which is just to the east of Poland. Yeah, uh, right. it used to be um, a German city called Königsberg uh, until the the end of World War Two. And I went to the uh, again. I went to another dead rubber between uh, England and Belgium, which right. Belgium won one nil. And it was it was very bizarre in the build up because. At the time, we knew that whoever finished top in that group would, on paper, have a trickier run to, you know, for the rest of the tournament. So it was almost as if you weren't sure if you wanted England to 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 win or or even draw. And I remember there was there was talk about what what lineup England should play. Um, so you know, you could rest players so that they're fitter uh, later on in the tournament. Yes, I remember it well. It's, it was a bit of a predicament, wasn't it? That um, obviously the media wanted to to play their their card and say what we should do, and, and Gareth Southgate had his had his own mind made up as to to what we done. And, and yeah, yeah, I guess it's safe to say that what he done played out played out quite well. I I totally agree because at, at the end of the day, both Belgium and England went out in the semi finals, so. You you can't you know they both made it as far as each other so I th- I think it was it was the right decision you know Belgium also did the right thing but you know you, you can't say that Belgium or England were had the better outcome because they both ultimately went out in the semi finals. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, and and looking forwards, uh, obviously we we know what's not happening this summer, um, but looking forwards from an England perspective, do you do you think we uh, the future is bright? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, what I've been thinking about recently is, you know, whether this delay with with the Euros, I think it's, I think it is going to benefit us a lot, namely because I think Phil Foden is 
going to get a a lot more game time with uh, Manchester City. And I think that he will walk into England's midfields when, when he is a regular player with Man City. I think he is the key difference for us and that he knows how to keep uh, possession, which we have ultimately lacked on quite a few times on the international stage. Yeah, no, it's, it is all these little things that uh, are being said. The fact that, say, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane can get match fit or, or have time to get fit and then get match fit and ready for the Euros. And, and people like you say, Phil Foden, um, are, are all little little inklings that you think, yes, no, this isn't a too bad a situation with regards to, to England and football, that it's not the worst situation that, that could have happened. But yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, and, and yourself, you, you found yourself in Sweden at the moment, so watching England from afar. Yes, yeah, I've moved to, to, to Stockholm at the start of uh, 2018. So my wife is, is Swedish, so we live in her flat here in, in Stockholm. And uh, it was quite a, a memorable first summer for me here because obviously it was the World Cup and England uh, ended up playing Sweden in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, so I went to uh, an English pub in Stockholm with my wife to, to watch the game. And uh, the, the atmosphere was, was, it was incredible. Excellent, and and no hard feelings from the uh, the Swedes. No, we we my wife and I actually made it onto this the main Swedish TV channel. Um, okay, because we were interviewed uh, before and after the game mm. about you know how she's Swedish and I'm English, and at the time we were um, were engaged. Uh, yep. We got married the year after, and uh, I was joking that her engagement ring was still on her finger after the game. <laughs> Uh, despite the fact that she obviously wasn't very happy with the result. <laughs> good stuff. Good story. like it. Well, Matthew, thank you very much for uh, for taking us back to, uh, well, I say thank you <laughs> to, to Costa Rica game. But no, thank you very much for sharing us uh, your memories, not just of that game, but of Brazil in general, um, of that tournament. It's, uh, it's been really good to to go back to and, and, and listen to from an England supporter's perspective. It's my pleasure, Russell. On Friday the 10th of July, Jack Charlton, one of England's World Cup winners, sadly passed away aged 85. He was born back in 1935. And amazingly, Jack won 35 caps, but made his debut aged 29 at home to Scotland. And he went on to score six times. Jack Charlton... Greaves again. Ball. Must be one here. Charlton. Yes, it is. Jack Charlton. Jack Charlton. There he is, that brave, limping England hero. Jack Charlton makes it 2-1. As a player, he was a one-man club, making 773 appearances for Leeds United between 1952 and 1973. He was a centre-back and played alongside Bobby Moore during England's World Cup win in 66. And as time goes on, those reunions of all the players will sadly get smaller and smaller. 
as Jack joins Bobby Moore, Ray Wilson, Alan Ball, Gordon Banks, Martin Peters, Peter Bonetti, Jimmy Armfield, Jerry Byrne, Norman Hunter, and of course, Sir Alf Ramsey, as they were all part of that 1966 squad. 1966 wasn't his only World Cup success, though. Personally, as a young boy with memories of the 1988 European Championships and 1990 World Cup, I remember it taking me by surprise when I found out that an Englishman was in charge of another country. I'd only ever really known Bobby Robson. It was as English as they come. But Jack took charge of the Republic of Ireland national team in 1986 and went on to become a bit of an Irish idol, beating England by a goal to nearly in 88 and then meeting us again in 1990 when we drew one all in Cagliari. They went on to famously beat Romania on penalties before losing to the hosts Italy. Jack then took them to the 1994 World Cup in the USA, famously having a row on the touchline with an official against Mexico, before coming home after losing to Holland in the round of 16. One thing I do remember of Jack Charlton, though, was the Carlsberg England advert. Remember that one? Jack was the one driving the van, and he put in a challenge or two. Come on, Chris, we're here, man. What did I do? Hey, the shirt pull. Well, you must shirt pull. Can I have your name, please? John. No more, please. Thank you, as always. It's always great to hear from you and your stories. And I've got a fair few more to release. But if you'd like to contribute, please do get in touch. And whilst all the ones I have are fairly recent games, which I'm fine with, it would be great to hear some older anecdotes from games in the 80s or 90s. Did you go to Israel in 86 or Albania in 89? Or did you go to the US Cup in 1993? Please do drop me a line. And you can do that on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Or you can go retro. You can email me. Three Lions Podcast at gmail.com. So until the next time, look after yourself. Cheers. <laughs>